to Women's Health, Wisdom, and Wine, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info at To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenawhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, remember to follow the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and tap on the bell to make sure you never miss an episode. Let us know what is your favorite topic, who has been your favorite guest, and who would you like to hear from on the next pod. Most importantly, share the podcast and your favorite episode with a friend or colleague. Lastly, remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. Coming up, I talk with Robert Ryder about the Sad Dads Club and the Lost Dads Open Hour, the importance of community and connection, and joy as the flip side of grief. Let's join the conversation. Welcome back. As most of you know, I sit on the board of sales, stillborn and infant loss support, under the direction of our excellent executive director, Sadija Smiley. So often, like most aspects of women's health that include a partner, namely fertility challenges and the transition into parenthood, we as a society focus primarily on the woman. Despite the fact that these aspects of the life cycle are experienced by both partners, we hyper-focus unilaterally and unfortunately we miss out on so much and we lose out on the lived experience of the other partner and the other parent. So today we're shifting the conversation just a bit and we're gonna talk about infant loss from the fatherhood perspective as we welcome Rob Ryder. Rob, please introduce yourself and briefly tell us about your experience with infant loss. Thank you so, so much for inviting me to chat with you about this. My name is Rob Ryder, and I, along with some friends of mine, started a group called the Sad Dads Club. And my experience with infant loss or child loss is that uh, my daughter Lila was delivered stillborn on December 13th, 2017. Oh, wow. Okay. So the Sad Dads Club, it already sounds a little melancholy, um, but I know we're going to talk about the flip sides of joy and grief. So th- talk about that inception and, you know, I know you talked about your three friends or your two friends and you make the third, but talk about that inception a little bit more and how you came to actually be a club. It was all about what that support did for us, what okay. it, what we were able to do for one another and what we were able to do by eliminating that feeling of alienation, by being there for one another through such a uniquely challenging, difficult, and painful experience. We had an outlet. We had a place outside of therapy that we could talk to somebody who was actually in real time going through it the same way that we each, each one of us was mm-hmm. going through it. So yeah. while we were all at different points of our lost journey and our experience with grief, it was still something we could all at every moment relate to one another with. And we always understood and created space for one another to be there for the other. And there were yeah. some days when one of us would feel super down and the other one was feeling strong. And it just became this incredibly powerful dynamic and relationship and bond that we then became inspired to try and expand upon, which is what we're doing now with the Sad Dads Club. All right. So in the bigger scheme of things, talk about that mission and vision for the Sad Dads Club. What did you originally, when you decide, okay, we're going to make this a thing, what did you set out to achieve? So interestingly, and this goes back to even how the name was formed, I have known Jay forever. Jay and I were neighbors our first year in college Mm -hmm. and I was the best man in his wedding and I mean we we go way way back so 
we happen to both live in Maine and 11 months apart experienced uh, both of our daughters were delivered stillborn and his he he lost Bella 11 months before I lost Lila and I immediately had somebody to go to in that moment like I was immediately with a support system of someone who had actually been enduring almost through the first year of his grief journey with having lost his daughter and Chris was introduced to us about seven months after I lost Lila. We were introduced to Chris. His wife had gone to school with us, so we were all part of the same network, but we ne- we hadn't known Chris before. And right. about seven months again after I lost Lila, um, he and his wife lost their daughter, Isabel. And we were all going to hang out in person for the first time, the three of us together. And it was yeah. a super rainy night. And my wife made a comment before I was about to leave, like, you are going to be sitting around in the dark. It's a super rainy night. It's going to be like sad dad's club. And that just sparked something. Yeah. It, like there was this place that I was going to go where I knew that I was going to be in a setting where we were going to talk about the most painful experience of our life. But it was an exciting thing to do because I was able to then, rele- we were able to release mm-hmm. with one another. We were able to be heard. We were able to be seen. We were able to be embraced. And we were able to be in a space where we didn't feel like we had to hide what we were feeling or going through because we knew that we were there for each other. And it dawned on me that, you know, because we started this little group between the three of us that we should just expand it and we should make a presence because we, we got a lot out of it because helping one another helped each other also. Like we were helping ourselves while we were helping each other. Yeah. And I think when you start off already as friends, that enabled you to kind of take that initial kind of barrier way because you were already friends. And then on top of it, it's like now we have another experience on top of our basic friendship that enables, you know, um, at least for the first two of you. um, Yeah to be able to see the benefits of something like that, even inside a friendship that, again, is not shared by many friends and definitely not shared inside of the kind of like a a more hyper-masculine type of um, set of friends or group of friends. So I think that makes it all the more powerful. So when we initially met, I remember you saying that being alone is the most dangerous part of the grief process. How did this salient point manifest for you? I just believe that if you are feeling entirely alone, when you are going through the most challenging trials, pains of your life, that that can just manifest in a way that makes you entirely unrecognizable to yourself or those around you. You start to lose a grasp on any joy or the world around you that once was a place that you were able to thrive or that you were able to do things that you enjoyed. It's like the familiar becomes unrecognizable. You know that you're in the same place that you've always known, but you don't see it the same way anymore. Yeah. And that is such a dangerous place to go. And I think that if you feel alone, you're more likely to go to that place. If you feel as though you have people around you who truly do understand you, And a little caveat there, like friends and family try and be there for you in the wake of loss Mm -hmm. the best they can. But if you haven't gone through it, the people around you who are giving you support to the best of their ability, it's not the same as somebody who's like, hey, I know exactly what you're going through. I feel what you feel. And actually also, have you thought of this, this or this? Yeah. Yeah, that's the definition of sympathy versus empathy. Like I can try to be all the things, but I can't ever put myself in your actual shoes. And that's something that, again, makes a difference in in the bigger scheme of things So continue. Absolutely, and I think that was really something that struck me because I was so lucky. Again, that sounds weird to use that word, but I was lucky enough to enter and start my grief journey with somebody who 11 months earlier had started their exact same grief journey with having their daughter delivered stillborn. And so, these unique nuances he understood and it was all from the dad's perspective and we have such a different 
you share this journey with your partner, but it's different and physically it's different. And and it's different even from dad to dad. When you Mm -hmm. talk from one dad to another dad who has a stillborn, people react differently to different things, but there is a unique overlap that we have found with the other dads that we've been connecting with and thinking that we can make a community here that, I mean, that's the ultimate goal, Thinking, knowing that that is possible and knowing that we have the power of the internet to connect people wherever they are so that they do not have to feel alone. Right. That's then what we have to do. Yeah. And I understand some aren't willing to engage because they just can't or aren't ready or that's not part of their healing journey and that's fine. But for Chris and Jay and me, that is very much part of our healing journey. And there is certainly emotional fatigue that goes into it because now we're really thinking about and talking about the loss of our children and of our daughters, but also what better way to honor them. Yeah. And that's that flip side of joy and grief that's always present because now you're having the opportunity on so many other occasions that you would not have otherwise to not just kind of let it kind of fade into the background but to actually put Lila in the foreground all the time and being able to say her name and say it you know not just with sadness and grief but with joy because now you're being able to have a community and I think that's again a powerful component of of the work that you're doing so worst club best guys which I love I love that aspect how is this club uh, challenging some of the stereotypes surrounding men and the grief process I think it's just shattering any sort of, you know, stereotype that men have to grin and bear it, that they have mm-hmm. to carry on and not, and, and, you know, be steadfast in their resolve to maintain this masculinity that is defined by an unwavering emotional state, which is just always like, let it roll off your back. Don't mm-hmm. let anything affect you. There is no way... Yeah. That you can go through something that traumatic, that your eyes can see something that profound, and you can appear as though it doesn't bother you, but right here mm-hmm. and inside all of here, it bothers you. And if you are not able to express that, if you do not have a channel or an outlet for that, it will be detrimental yeah. in the long run. And so I think that just recognizing that it is okay to be mad, to be sad, to be pissed, to be confused, to be downright depressed. Mm -hmm. It's okay, that is all part of this. I think acknowledging the fact that this is the worst club because the worst thing that you probably could have never imagined in your life did actually become your reality. You have to realize that that is now an everyday thing. If you ignore it, it's still there. It's still part of your story. It's still part of your journey. If you don't acknowledge it, you're only sh- shortcutting yourself. Yeah. And we want to create a space where we show them like, first of all, all the guys who have you know, joined us in our, in our meetings and have helped us to build this community. They've all been entirely willing to engage. And I just would put the message out there for anybody that is hesitant to, it's like, it's a space where you can also just be, you don't have to, we, we want to make sure that people, they don't have to say anything. They can just listen. They can just exist in that space. But like, just know that there are people who are feeling exactly what you're feeling and exactly what you're feeling is fine to feel it might not feel good all the time but like that's part of this because it was something so terrible you can't expect that you just get over it you can't expect that you just move through it this is a part of what defines us now and life has entirely changed ever since seeing what we've seen and living with what we're living with it's just not it's not the same as how it had been yeah, and it's and it's never going to be because this is a line of demarcation, not just a date on the calendar, but there's going to be several dates and several different, you know, ups and downs and swings that mark different things, mark different, you know, yearly reminders. So it's not just a thing that happened and it has a definitive beginning and end. It is open ended because a grief is a process. It's not a destination. So. Absolutely. 
Yeah, so many people who have experienced a loss of any kind turn to therapy to help their process um, in terms of the myriad of emotions that the loss brings. How is the Sad Dads Club different than therapy? None of us are professionals, none of us are experts, and none of us are assuming or claiming to be. I think that is what sort of breaks down any sort of, we can give you a diagnosis or Mm -hmm. prescribe you something. All that we are doing is prescribing love, community, and a place of understanding. And that just comes with us being who we are with our baggage, unloading. We can cry, we cannot cry. We can just be whatever we feel in that moment, on that day, that evening that we are all connecting. Like it is just a different place because we're literally hanging out together. Yeah. And I, again, that's, again, the power of community. So piggybacking off of that, talk to us about that, you know, the power of these healing spaces and of this healing community of dads who've experienced loss. That is all made possible by the dads who have been willing to engage and join there with us because it's been growing and it's been amazing to experience the growth. And I don't mean growing in any sort of way where it's like bursting at the seams. We are still very much able to create an intimate setting in the virtual space with people from all over. And that is what feels the best because were it not for technology, which sometimes I get annoyed (laughs) at and think is like way overwhelming and over overdone in many instances and becomes a bit obsessive like this is just such a silver lining in the way that i that we can all connect with people who are physically so many other places but are emotionally exactly where we are and that is what is able to tie us all together and it's been amazing because we've been able to connect with other dads who are part of our community who have some of them are like, I lost my child three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And just like, wow. First of all, the fact that you found us is amazing Mm -hmm. because you must have been looking for something or, or, Mm -hmm. or maybe your partner found something. And like, I don't know if I would have been ready to go into a space with other dads even knowing it was supposed to be a support system i don't know if after three weeks so i'm just so in awe of and i commend the strength of the dads who have been joining us and then you know we have i I always call him our north star guiding light rudy who is connected with sales and he lost his daughter aisha 42 years ago and i think about her every day and i think about him every day because he just is able to offer for this group it's like every time he speaks we are just all ears because we are so intensely inspired by his presence by his knowledge by his wisdom by the fact that he is he is like us in the future and Mm -hmm. then that offers hope because he's able to talk about aisha and to suggest ways that we can kind of make sense of this really complicated multi-layered the pain within us that is grief but how do we turn that into something that is honoring that child that we lost how do we turn that into something that is um that is like memorable and meaningful and so when you when you think of someone like rudy who you know has been living with the loss of his daughter aisha for 42 years and then you think of uh dan in alberta canada who three weeks ago lost their child like we can all be together and we can all learn something from one another. And that has been, I think, the most profound element of the entire experience is just how we all come together. And despite the fact that we're in different places or we're both physically and within our grief journey, but we're all tied together. And I think that that really is the, the foundation of what this community is all about. And I think it also for that three week post-experience first that 42 years post-experience there has to that has to be a positive in that oh there this grief is going to continue it's not like there it ends but now I can see that I there's hope for the future that I can still engage and I can still remember in all those different aspects from three to 42 years that's amazing and I think that's indicative of the type of energy you bring to the group um because that draws in, like you said, you know, just the awareness and also that 
it doesn't matter whether it was three weeks or 42 years, there's still some support that can be gleaned from being in community. And that's not something that can be fabricated in therapy or a one-on-one setting, but something, again, that, again, a group of men being fully vulnerable and, and open. And I think that's, again, so, so very powerful. So go ahead. Were you going to say something? I, I'm just, again, I, I can't, it cannot be overstated that it really is all about the folks who are coming out and joining us on, yeah. on and in that space and engaging with us. Again, the internet, something that I oftentimes curse and think like, oh, people are too obsessed with social media. It becomes right. this thing that is creating this sort of false illusion as to what reality is. But then there is this other side that we're able to use it for, for Sad Dads Club and connecting with people that we wouldn't have known otherwise and that would have potentially been going about their grief journey alone, which could have been even more terrifying. It's always terrifying. I'm not presuming that we make things easier, but I think we make it a little easier. Yeah. It's like a shock absorber. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like that is like the perfect analogy, like a shock absorber, because it is this just like electric thing that is completely rocking you to every level. And if we can be there to sort of kind of ease the vibrations and kind of Mm -hmm. help center one another. And I don't know any more than somebody who's coming three weeks off of their experience. And I, I'm all ears when I'm there and I, I, I want to connect and I want to hear other people's stories and I want to feel that connection when something about someone else's story is like, that is exactly the way I felt. That is exactly the same thing in the hospital that happened to me that really threw me off at first or that moment where it really all became real yeah. or that you know, first time going back into the office and that horrible experience that I had when somebody just didn't consider the way X, Y, or Z would make me feel. Right. And again, it, it's all, it's that willingness of everybody to join us in that space and to engage with one another that is making this happen. Like I, Jay, Chris and I have been talking in the beginning and be like, it's not about me. It's about we, yes. and that truly is what this is it's not a club without a community yeah and yeah members it's it's not exclusive Mm -hmm. like but it is it's open and it can't be what it is unless we are all together in it um and i think that we're just facilitating the space but those who are joining us are making it a real space and are and are bringing to life what we were hoping would be created if we were like, hey, does anybody want to do this? I know it sounds not like the most fun thing ever, but also probably a really important thing for all of us. And again, because we got the benefit of being the three of us together. And what if we expanded that? How much better could that be? And everybody has just been like, I'm I'm floored by the people that we've met. Yeah. I mean, it's again, your enthusiasm is what drew me to you because again, it's the enthusiasm that you bring to a space that is literally based on the grief process. So coupled with the Sad Dads Club, you also facilitate the Lost Dads Open Hour, which partners with sales. So tell us more about how the dynamics of these groups overlap, how they're different from each other, and how they meet the demonstrated need and desire for community. Well, if I end up going on a tangent, please feel free to like pull me back into actually what you've asked me. But I want to just start by kind of a little bit of a historical background that um, Sadija had reached out to me on Instagram when Sales was hosting a Lost Dads Open Hour. Mm -hmm. And we had just, Sad Dads Club, gotten our Instagram presence. I mean, we were within like the first month, I think, of officially launching. Right. And... um, I logged on and I joined and was just so moved by it. And there were a fair number of dads on there. And the thing that they were asking by the end of the hour was like, when's the next one? When's the next one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was such an eagerness for this to continue. So I reached out to Sadija afterwards and was like, hey, I, I don't know if you do have any plans to make this a regular thing, but this is entirely what I was in my mind, kind of, you know, sort of fantasizing or conceptualizing that I thought would be something that Sad Dads Club would offer. So maybe we could partner on it and both promote it and just 
you know, we don't really have much of a network, but you all do. And I'll be there, you know, we'll be there to log into the Zoom and to host it. And we would love to because it seemed, it was clear rather, not even it seemed, it was clear that it was a population and a community, dads that were just feeling as though they didn't have anywhere else to go, whether that meant they didn't have anywhere else to go because they didn't feel comfortable going to therapy, or maybe they didn't have the access or resources to therapy because there's such a huge disparity like in who is able to access it, who has the luxury of time to be able to attend it. And so doing something in what we thought would be like, you know, post-work hours, which we Mm -hmm. now actually going to adjust because we got a lot of West Coast folks joining us. Um, Yeah. But... But yeah, so so that became the the catalyst, the connection uh, between Sadija and me to partner on this and make it a monthly thing, which we're now finding um, in the new year, 2023, we want to make happen more regularly. And guys are saying, they're like, I feel I look forward to this every month because I I can't talk about my son or my daughter like anywhere else and so they're like it's bottled up within them and they finally get to be in a space where people are like i love that dude i love that man like Mm -hmm. it's okay if you cry like we are here to hear the good the bad the ugly everything in between and i find myself also like heck yeah let's do it more than once a month like i i'm down like i I shouldn't put this on record, but I will anyway. Like, I want to do it weekly. Like, yeah. I want to, I want it to be something where it's like, oh, only three people showed up. But like, if only three people showed up, then they got the benefit of a really intimate, awesome setting. Right. Um, so I, we'll see. I mean, weekly might be a, a, a jump too intense from once a month <laughs> to every week. Yeah. Maybe we'll do it twice a month. But I just, it's. I'm probably falling way off track of the uh, question that you asked. You're not, not at all. You're, you're right on par. And I think, again, being able, that willing, that drive to like, let's make this available. Let's make it accessible. Let's make it, you know, appropriate for anybody who is standing in a space where they need support, where they desire community. And again, I'm sure there are people who come and they don't contribute or they don't share or they don't bring, because... That can be intimidating, but I'm sure they keep coming back and they keep getting the benefits of even if they don't directly share, you know, again, the intimate details of one of the most challenging, devastating aspects of their lives. They're still being able to bear witness and glean that, you know, just connectivity to other people from you know, listening to their experiences, which uh, I can only imagine catalyzes them to want to share their experience which will benefit the next person and the next person and the next person week after week so again totally all the all the kudos so as these groups have grown and continue to evolve what is something that you feel that you have learned about yourself that you don't feel you could have learned in the silo of fatherhood not necessarily parenthood meaning with your wife but fatherhood alone Well, that's a good question. I think I've learned and I've always been a fairly emotionally open person, but I think that has moved up to like an even more intense degree Mm -hmm. because I've realized the importance of honoring what I feel and not, I did have a habit of burying things at certain points following the loss. And I, in retrospect now, can identify that that was actually a detrimental coping mechanism of mine. I get why I did it. I get why I would shut down. And again, I was lucky enough to have Jay, one of the, you know, Chris and Jay Mm co-founders of me in the Sad Dads Club, but Jay was right there from the beginning. So I always had that outlet, but then that was it. And then there would be times when I just would put it all away. Yeah. And... I mean, I, I disappeared from a lot of settings in my life because I was hyper aware of protecting myself and just trying to fit that typical, you know, stereotypical male mold of like, no, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm good. And it's like, no, you're not. And you're not taking care of yourself and you're, you're not happy. Yeah. And I have to face being sad more often to be happier in the long run. Right. 
then pretend I'm not sad for the sake of the people around me to think I'm fine. Wow. But I cry so much more now in doing this work and engaging with this community because it's more front of mind. But like, I, I'm, I'm like bursting at the seams with light. I feel like I'm just, again, I, I, I'm super lucky that I've, I'm just wired as an optimistic person. I always have been, but I did notice that I was altering the way that I was presenting as I was feeling because it wasn't genuine to me. I, I was being, I was not being genuine to the way that I was feeling. I was not letting myself feel. And I think engaging with this community has taught me that there is nothing, nothing more important than letting yourself feel. And it can be uncomfortable in a moment, but that is going to make for exponential relief. Yeah. Yeah. And in that moment appearing okay when you're not okay, is going to in the long run really bring you down and 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 drag you into depression mm -hmm. yeah and it's again that authenticity and i think that's the word that i've been i've maybe searching for all this time is the authenticity that you bring that can't be manufactured that's not phony or false or fake but this is your lived experience you're the expert in your lived experience and so that encourages others to do the same and that synergistically benefits the entire group and again so powerful so much so needed um and i think these spaces are just just as they continue to grow hopefully you'll be able to continue to spread this mission and vision as far wide and as big and tall as you desire. Um, because again, it's, you're doing wonderful work, wonderful work. Shifting a little bit, go, go ahead. Uh, just again, I, whenever I think, firstly, I love what you had said. I know that you said this at the sales board yeah. meeting when I tuned in about like, you know, you told me when I was like, I'm not an expert, I'm not an expert. And you're like, no, but you are an expert of what you yeah. feel. And, Tomorrow is a uh, Lost Dad's open hour on uh, November 10th that we're going to have. And I'm going to bring that in there because we keep reiterating, oh, we're not experts. We're not experts. Mm -hmm. But it's like, yes, you are an expert in what you feel. You should feel empowered to go through and express yourself in whatever form that takes. Don't hurt anybody, obviously. Don't hurt right. yourself. But like find an outlet for that anger and that sadness and that pain that can release it from you in a safe way that then allows you to restore balance to yourself. Right. Yeah. And again, just like I'm always, every time anybody says that, um, you know, I, I'm doing great work. It's like, I couldn't, th this is work that can't be done alone. Like this is mm -hmm. I, the only reason it exists is because all the sad dads out there who are coming in, and making this a community they're the ones building it like i maybe opened a door but they're helping me like you know really really push it or kick it open like mm -hmm. they are the ones and they're and they're coming in the house and and sitting around the table with me and it's like potluck everybody's brought like a pasta salad or, right. or some sort of chicken dish and uh <laughs> and um you know a uh, side salad or whatever but yeah. it's it's just it couldn't be it's it's just not just me. It's not just Jay. It's not just Chris. It's all of us. It's right. Rudy. It's Will. It's Mike. It's Dan. It's it's Greg. I could go on yeah. and say all the all the, the names. Yeah. All the names of our own yeah. of like it's Jesus. It's it's everybody, and it's right. people out west. It's people on the east coast. It's people in the south. It's people northeast. It's people in Canada. Like yeah we're we're just we're building it all together and it, and it feels awesome and it feels empowering like it gives us more resolve to like yes this is what we should be doing because we now have a space where we can talk about this thing that is so important to us but is so uncomfortable for mm -hmm. a vast majority of people who haven't gone through it luckily and it, i wish it upon no one because it's terrible right. but the only silver lining is that you get to make these connections and you get to I, I need for this to be a part of my life. I need to talk about my daughter. I need to talk about Lila. I need to be able to have a space where I know that I can and people are waiting to hear it and want to hear it. Not like I'm talking about it with people who are like, 
I can almost sense like, oh gosh, I hope he like, you know, throws in a joke or moves on to the next subject mm-hmm. because right. it, it's a bummer. It yeah. is a bummer. I, I get it. Like mm-hmm. I, I'm not so, you know, I'm not that dense. Right. <laughs> or oblivious it. to the fact that, yeah, we're right. talking about something that's, you know, a grievous process. Yeah. So over the course of this entire process, what needs or maybe even initially did you see that weren't being met? Where, if any place do you feel that therapy falls short specifically in addressing the unique needs of dads who have experienced loss i just think that therapy unfortunately has such a stigma around it where Mm -hmm. it's like it's like a weakness if you're getting if you're in therapy or getting therapy i think it's quite the opposite i think it's a sign of strength to ask for help but I am one person and I am, you know, not the know-all or I, I think the need that isn't being met is just, um, I don't, I don't know. It's sort of, you could go into a conversation about any number of things in our country or in our world that are just like, not as they should be. And this is one, it's the fact that I think a lot of men are turned off to therapy because of that stigma, because of that stereotype. I think they're like, oh no, like, you know, pardon my language here, but like therapy's for pussies. And mm-hmm. like, you know, that, that sort of mentality is, is whack first of all, but it's also, it, it's, it's ingrained in people. Like they don't yeah. necessarily want to think that, but they just do because mm-hmm. it was how they were brought up to think of it or conditioned to think of it. And I think what's missing is, Maybe it would be less intimidating if it were more of a group setting type thing, but also I could see people not being okay with that or comfortable in that. Um, I, I It's tough to say what's missing because there's also not a one-size-fits-all. I think that mental health resources in general are very scarce, and we're only getting to the point recently where we're starting to be openly discussing struggles with mental health and so i think we are going to trend in a direction that is going to see a better outcome of serving more people who need help and getting them that help but when i was handed the pamphlet in the hospital and opened it i mean i i'm not gonna get this right but i opened it and i i feel like i saw you know uh something with a flower on it that's like I'm so sorry your child died mm-hmm. and I was like this doesn't look like anything that I want anything to do with mm-hmm. like I, I can already tell just I think that I think it's also really tough I, I, I should go and say you know I need to make sure that I point out that as you are in the hospital as I was when I was handed that pamphlet my wife the woman in the situation the one who gave birth to our child like not only did she have the emotional spiritual trauma that i shared with her but on top of that the unbelievable and i mean that quite literally like i can't even believe because i i physically am incapable of it so i can't even begin to presume what that compounded with the emotional and physical, the emotional and spiritual toll with the physical toll. Like, so, you know, if that picture of a flower pamphlet that said, I'm so sorry, your baby died is what's going to make a mother who recently gave birth to their child who they don't get to take home with them. If that is going to be a page turner for them, then fantastic. Like that, all that to say like that, they're the priority in that moment, I, I believe. I really do. And I, I think that, I think all, all the dads I've connected with, we all agree. It's, yeah. it's, and we wanted to be in that space of like, we are here to support them mm-hmm. because they, that physical toll is just so, it, right. it's so unbelievable. And it's so, so, it's, it's crazy yeah. and it's dramatic and, and it's hard and it's, yeah. Yeah. And coming from the, I guess, a physician or a provider's perspective, the physical toll is an aspect that is almost immediate because right. it's, you can see it, you can 
feel it, touch it, all those different things. But from what I've, you know, talked to and, you know, women who have experienced and you had this inner, that was air quote, the easy part, because that, that did have a pretty much an end of beginning, but the mental health component never ends. So in that space, you're sharing an emotion that is amorphous and it's changing and it's dynamic. And both of you are sharing that, even though, again, you're not sharing the physical component, but that can also almost be compartmentalized from some, most of the you know, women that I talk to. Yeah. But it's the emotional impact and that emotional toll that weighs the most. That's the heaviest. Um, and it, again, it still depends on, you know, where, you know, the mom was in, you know, in, in her pregnancy. And again, it all has, you know, different ways and different people experience it differently. But I think, again, we undermine the, the emotional aspects and the emotional components because, again, it's, never ending and it's amorphous and it changes shapes from day to day and it's intensity and frequency um and so again don't underestimate that and it's simultaneously one is trying to take care of the other as a good partnership and a healthy partnership um should and i think again it speaks to the need that we can't leave dads out of this process because you're going through something too and maybe what's missing is just some sort of something informationally for the father who and that you you articulated it so well just now it, like the the mother is the patient mm-hmm. like because they have the medical thing that is and and that's such an interesting concept for me to actualize and to internalize that there is a beginning and end to that i'm still beyond wowed by all the mothers who uh go through that but then there is the mental health component, the, the, the emotional toll. Mm-hmm. Maybe something that's missing is just making sure that dads do know that there is some place for them to go if and when they're ready. Yeah, yeah. And that's like, you know, we, Sad Dads Club put together this little pamphlet thing that there are only three things that we have available online. It's our website that has blog stories on it and then there's the Instagram account and then our Lost Dads Open Hours that we partner with sales on and we want to just get those distributed in all of those bereavement packages just to say like if someone's flipping through and it's super simple just with our logo says we're so sorry you're here when you're ready there's a community of dads waiting to support you here's how you access it because again not everybody's going to want to do that and that's not going to be part of everybody's healing journey and healing is lifelong. We don't all of a sudden be like, I'm healed. I'm good. I don't need to talk about it anymore. I don't need to in- engage with others. Like, I think that's part of the magic of what makes the community so strong that's being built right now with Sad Dads Club is that we know that we're going to all like meet up one day in real life, in real time, and be in the same physical room. Like, yeah. you know, now we're in the Zoom room, but one day, like we're we're going to be connected forever. Right. Yeah. And again, it's that aspect that I love about how you describe these groups. It's the passion, the dedication, the commitment and all that manifests through your excitement and enthusiasm. And at first, I know that this can sound at best out of touch and at worst like insulting to the lived experience of the individual who has experienced the loss and continues to go through that experience of such a devastating event. However, these groups sound and feel like therapy sessions meets hangout, meets support group. And so as you, again, as we're continuing to talk, from where do you derive this passionate energy that you bring to these dude spaces? That's a result of the people sharing the space with me and with us. It's so, it's electrifying and it's electric and it's contagious and it's inspiring. And every time we get off, gosh, I wish I could remember the month that we started. I think Sadisha and I launched it in June. In June, Uh uh-huh. And every time afterwards, like Chris J and I get on the phone and we're all like, oh, you know, this is way past our bedtime because <laughs> we, we all are fortunate enough to have living children. And so, and we're, 
you know, run ragged and, and on top of working our jobs, we're just exhausted at all yeah. times. But uh, as soon as we end the Lost Dads open hour, we get on the phone, we be like, that was so awesome. Did you see like this person was talking and like, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. That is, no worries. No worries. I, I don't know how to disconnect my phone from my computer. I've tried, I've Googled it to no avail. I'm so sorry about that. Um, it's, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, nothing like a little loud ring, but <laughs> the, the, the passion is derived entirely from the community, from seeing it grow, from seeing, from hearing, it's from seeing and from hearing because mm -hmm. hearing folks and dads share their stories, especially dads who sometimes, and we say again, like you can turn your camera off in the right. zoom room. You can mute. You don't have to say anything. Um, and sometimes we will get the dad who's, you know, unmutes in a, in a lull and was like, I didn't actually think I was going to speak, but, mm -hmm. and then goes on to open up. And that is like the exact moment, the exact thing, even just that dad being there is like, heck yeah. Awesome. Like a little more of a reserved guy. I'm, if you can't tell very outgoing, <laughs> Yeah. but there's the yin to the yang. There is mm -hmm. like the person who is then like the complete opposite side of the social spectrum. Who's like a little more reserved and, is, is not comfortable sharing in front of a group, but then eventually is comfortable. And that's because these dads are coming together and creating this space where, and sharing their stories that suddenly allows for and makes this other dad who didn't plan on sharing feel comfortable to share. And that's just like, I mean, that's pure magic in real time. Yeah. And that's like, that's connection. And connection is what this is all about, community connection, and that's it. It's community and connection. There is no third. I was You're trying right. to think of third. <laughs> it's just community and connection. Community that's it. Community connection. That's and, and that's in its purest and simplest form, the most important. That that's the value. That it. That yeah. is the value. So sh shifting a little bit, share with us about the effects an infant loss can have on the foundations of a family. Well, I have only the experience of one person because, you know, I, I can only relate it to my own experience within the family uh, that I am in. Uh, so do you mean like the foundation of the family, like the household family, or you mean like the expanded like the household. household? Yeah, the household. And if, it, and if you can shed light to some of those extended aspects, but pretty much the intimate, the nuclear family. Yeah, I think that within the nuclear family, it's, it's such a seesaw and such an ebb and flow of, you know, feeling great, fine, strong one day to feeling downright rotten another day. Yeah. And I think that it also is very, there's not always balance. It's actually constantly like there's an imbalance, yeah. I would say, because I would have days where I was feeling entirely and utterly devastated. Yeah. And my wife was feeling strong and able to carry herself and me. Mm -hmm. And then that would shift in the other direction. And then there would be days when we're both feeling great. And then other times where we would both be feeling terrible. And then it became hard to like exist in happiness because happiness wasn't necessarily there. And that's not a result of anything other than the grief that we were both dealing with. And I yeah. think that it, again, I am no expert in this whatsoever. And I'm speaking only from my own experience that creating a space where we are gentle and accepting of one another and patient with one another is just the most crucial and vital element to just a realistic existence really like yeah. because i don't know what else would happen other than contention and resentment if you don't keep patience and love at the front and that's so easy to say yeah. It's so easy to say in this moment where I am feeling like great and I'm feeling fine and, you know, we are 
at this point years removed from our loss, so it's gotten into a bit of a rhythm where we do and can identify feelings as they emerge and deal with it as as it comes. But I think that you just have to prepare for a roller coaster of emotions. It's like a roll. Uh, someone asked me about this recently, and I had equated it to being like riding a roller coaster in the pitch black, like. Mm. You know, you you feel, you don't see what's coming, but you feel what you feel, and it's all based on that, and and your body responds. Like, so if you drop, you don't see that drop coming, but you drop. Mm -hmm. And so that's like the best way I can think that it shifts, especially, I always talk about, and we talk about this a lot in the Lost Dads Open Hour that first year, especially because a lot of the dads joining, helping us build this community are within their first year. And so talk, we, we end up talking about that a lot. And I think that that becomes, you know, the more you ride a roller coaster in the dark, the more you, all right, I felt this drop before. Mm-hmm. I didn't see it coming, but I, I, I recognize this feeling. Right. Whereas when you're in that first year and you haven't been on that ride as much, it becomes really disorienting and jarring. Right. And so... I think that you just have to be patient and loving and that's such a simplified way for me to put the most like complicated and inexplicably difficult emotional um emotionally difficult thing to navigate um it's physically painful you 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 are each you and your partner going through something that hurts so bad it, it literally feels like your heart is breaking Wow. Wow. So by serving on the sales board and as a women's health provider, I have the, although it be peripheral in nature, I had this privilege of bearing witness to the varying grief processes and the resulting joy um, aspects of stillborn and infant loss. It builds and deepens my empathy quotient. It expands my understanding and it also humbles me in ways about just basic humanity. I would like I would like to take some time and I would be remiss if I didn't say her name. So tell us about Lila and how you feel her presence every single day. Oh, Lila is my firstborn. She made me a dad. And I think about her as my perspective, as my inspiration, and as my guidance towards now being a parent to my living child, her little brother Dallas, mm-hmm. I have, I'm an entirely different parent than I would have been. I'm not saying that I would have loved Dallas any less. Mm-hmm. I know that that's not the case. But I think that I have an untapped, or I had an untapped like amount of patience that I'm able to get in and, and, and a grander, wider perspective of what is important, what matters and what I should invest emotional energy into. She just completely changed my life and losing her did the same thing. It completely changed my life and it entirely shifted my priorities and what I considered important versus trivial and ways that I conduct myself. I, I think about her every single day, multiple times a day. Like there is just nothing. I can't imagine that that's ever going to change just because of how intense it has been. Even when before Sad Dads Club, when I wasn't talking about her as much, it's still, she was someone that I thought about all the time. And there was a period where we weren't sure that we would be able to have another child. Yeah. And it was, it was by no means guaranteed. I mean, it never is for anyone, but it was medically looking like it was going to be less likely. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that my gratitude has been expanded and, um, yeah, she she has been the most like influential person in my life. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I, I don't mean I think. I know yeah. that she has been the most influential person in my life. 
Wow. I felt that. Which brings me to the word healing. How are you seeing this component showing up in the lives of the fathers who attend these groups? I can see physically, even though I'm not there in the room with them. And Chris J and I talk about this on our post calls. We're like, did you notice, you know, that that dude was like super tense. And then he started talking. We see his body and his language. You know, it starts like this and it's really tight. It's really tight. And then it gets more like this and relaxed. And even if it's through the tears, it's like healing is not something that eventually heals you or you're not healed healing is is it can be never ending yeah it is ongoing yeah it's (laughs) exactly yeah it's ongoing Mm -hmm. and if that is exactly what we like one of the dads said to us in um our last session and he was within i believe the first month of losing his child like i wanted to come here because i wanted to see a version of myself Mm. like i wanted to see what it was like i knew that you guys following your you know the sad dad's instagram and we we feature stories from whomever wants to contribute them but to build our website chris j and i were you know the first ones adding content and so we referenced the date and we're a few years removed and to hear him say that he felt like we would offer hope and an insight into what that healing, that process, that ongoing process would be further highlighted the importance of like creating this space and also was just like, oh my goodness, wow, yeah, geez, healing. We can all talk about that. We can, Mm -hmm. I I can actually talk about how I've changed in the last, you know, almost five years. It'll be five years next month. And what I've learned, what I've experienced, what I've struggled with, and all of that is part of healing. Like that's all, that's all balled up in the journey. Like healing isn't just a constant feeling of relief. It doesn't just get easier, 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 easier. The more you go about it, healing is the ups and downs. It's that roller coaster in the dark. It's that pain. It's that struggle. And then it's those moments of like euphoric joy that you somehow thought would never return to your life that are all of a sudden there again that bring you to even greater heights than you've ever known. Like that is healing. It is just up, down, all around, windy road of experiencing every possible emotion. But you eventually along that way of those emotions feel yourself stronger and, and, and just more at peace. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Thank you, Rob. So are there any additional supports, solutions, resources you suggest for our listeners who are interested in stillborn and infant loss support from a fatherhood perspective? Well, there's uh, Dad Still Standing, which is a podcast based in the UK. Those two guys are great, and they have they they talk about in depth some really important and pertinent and relatable um, subject matter. Uh, the Shit Club, pardon my French, is another blog that's doing some really great stuff and offering awesome content. And otherwise, like, not, not really for the dads. Like, it's few and far between. But my goodness, the lost moms out there doing the darn thing is unbelievable. And, and we certainly have made some incredible lifelong friendships with uh you know certain lost moms who are huge supporters of what we're doing and we're totally in awe of what they're doing and they um they're out there in droves and those lost mamas are uh yeah they're they're i'm thinking like hey lost mama or lost moms club or rather lost mom club um mother of meadow like there are all these women on instagram these lost moms who are just uh, always plugging us and helping us kind of gain more visibility but they're also offering some unbelievably relatable and uh moving content of their own i i need to work on my plugging i that was that was that's my job that's my job don't worry about it that's my job trust me i again i'm gonna do everything in my power to make sure that you know 
you as a resource, you know, the Sad Dads Club, this Lost Dad Open Hour becomes a thing, bigger than it already is. And I think you've awesome. already done the organic work that nobody else can do because, again, you're the experts in your own individual experiences. And that can't be fabricated by any amount of media attention or any amount of, you know, publicity that is cultivated or curated. You've done the work and the authentic nature of what you bring to these groups. That's the power. That's the draw. And there's no substitute for that. So, again, you are the the creator you are the creative who has created a space and i think again that's that that's the work and you're doing it every single day and before we sign off are there any parting words of wisdom that you'd like to share with the listeners as uh my uh, i've had many therapists at this point but i have one in particular who was um exceptional and she would always end each session by saying be gentle with yourself And I think that is the perfect, most succinct, eloquent way to put it. And if if I could impart one thing on anyone who's going through this, as unfortunate, as painful, as never ending as it feels, be gentle with yourself. No more needs to be said. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Thanks for joining Women's Health Wisdom and Wine. We really hope you enjoyed our conversation today. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply it to your own life. Also, remember to follow us, review us, and give us five stars. Till we meet again, remember, nourish your flourish.